You may be seated if you have your Bibles open up to 1 Samuel chapter 30. If you don't have your Bible, look on with someone next to you. If they don't have their Bible, you're in the wrong row. Amen. We're going to come alive in the river. Amen. We need to come alive in the river. And I have entitled my message this morning, Your Breakthrough May Be Closer Than You Think. My, my desire today is to exhort you from God's word to encourage you today. Wednesday night, as, as we were here for our midweek um, time to have our life groups, we have a time of praise and worship before, and then we split off into several different life groups, and we, we just have such a great time in our small groups, just sharing with one another, getting into the scriptures, and you know, it's not just one person teaching, it's everyone participating and sharing, and it's just, it's just been so enriching. My wife and I enjoy our, uh, our life group on Wednesdays, but, but before that time, we came in, and, and, and I just, just felt very drained. You know, it's been a, a, a long day, it was the funeral, uh, for our beloved brother Frank, and and I just felt, you know, in my own spirit, needing just just God to just touch me, and and through that, I just felt the Lord say, you know what, I want you to do, I want you to exhort them. This was Wednesday night. I want you to pray for them. I want you to to just pray because people are weary. But I'm saying, Lord, I'm weary. <laughs> uh, but you know something miraculous in that? It's by faith that we do what we do. And if we wait for feelings, we'll do nothing. If we wait for the perfect time, we'll do nothing. If we wait for everything to be ideal, uh, we're not trusting in God at that point. We're trusting in our own strength and our own ability. And so I felt the Lord encourage my heart and say, you know, I want you to, I want you to exhort. I want you to stir people's faith Sunday morning to receive something. I want, I want God was speaking to me to, to just to exhort, to get people to a point of saying, you know what, They're, at the end of the service, we're going to pray and we're going to believe for a, for a breakthrough, believe for a, a turnaround, you know, a, a special touch from God, a fresh anointing. We were singing that song, you know, a river flowing. Uh, we need it. We need revival. You know, when you revive someone, it means someone is, is fading away. They're uh, lifeless, and, and, and they, need, they need to be revived physically. You know, when they say someone was revived, that means they were almost dying. And a lot of times, Christians, church people, um, could be almost dead. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't worry, he's not talking about you. But then again, so revive. I think of what God has done through this church. I think of what God is doing through. It moves in a greater measure. We know it is exponentially greater. It is more powerful. And that's what we believe for. And so, and as I was praying... Uh, last night, my wife and I, I felt impressed. You know, when you, when you talk about breakthrough, sometimes people think, right, it's, um, it's like just one and done, or how do I say, you know, you come to the altar, God touches you, and you receive, and it happens, and it's done, hallelujah. But if you don't receive, 
If you don't get a touch, if you don't experience something, you kind of walk away scratching your head and saying, well, okay, I'm just going to go back and, and that's it. And, 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 and you know, as I was praying and as I was processing this scripture, I felt uh, impressed to share with you that breakthrough can be a process. When, when someone prays for you and lays hands on you, or when you're praying and believing for yourself, if nothing happens immediately, don't get discouraged. Because that breakthrough could be in process. And there are steps to breakthrough. There's a process to breakthrough. And we've got to learn that. We've got to understand that. Because if not, we can miss out. We can get discouraged. And we can give up before it happens. And that is a trick of the devil to get you and I off course, to miss out, to settle into a, a, a ritualistic, uh, just dead religion and go through the motions. When God has a river, God has a fresh anointing, God has a fresh touch. So if we don't receive it, we can get discouraged, we can give up, and we can get in despair. But, you know, when you look at the scriptures, even physical healing could be a process. Right in the scriptures, some people Jesus touched and it was instantaneously. They received uh, virtue flowed in them and that sickness and that disease left them and they were immediately healed, the scriptures say. But then we know that there are others who God touched, Jesus would touch them and he would say, I want you to go your way and, and show yourself to the priest as a, as in, in, in offering an offering. And, and the Bible says, as they went, so it was a process. They could have looked at themselves at that point when Jesus spoke to them and said, Lord, I haven't received anything. I'm just going to go back and, and, and just kind of settle into complacency and, and, you know, I haven't received anything. No, they, as they went, the Bible says they were healed. So what am I trying to say is that um, sometimes God could work a, 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 something in your life and bring about a, a breakthrough or the beginning of it and it's a process and we have to believe that it's going to come to pass, it's going to come to fruition. We use, it, we use a saying sometimes, uh, we see it in the New Testament uh, and, and also in the Old Testament that God moves suddenly, right? And we pray for those suddenlies and, and those times are, are powerful when God shows up and touches people. And we say, it was a suddenly, you know, on the day of Pentecost, and suddenly uh, a, a mighty rushing wind, the sound of a mighty rushing wind came and filled the house, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was a suddenly. But you know what? I like to say this. It takes God a whole long time to work suddenly. I have learned that in my life and in ministry that it takes God a long time to work suddenly. And, and, and that could almost sound sacrilegious. No, it isn't. What it means is that the suddenlies happen, but we don't know there was a process. There was a preparation. God was doing something. And you and I have to learn how to wait upon the Lord and walk through the process to get to that suddenly, to get to that breakthrough, to experience that miracle. And you have to learn, if you want to do business with God, you have to learn patience. You have to learn how to wait upon the Lord. So what am I saying? At the end of the service, to have a time of prayer, to, for you to come forward. And again, we're not talking about a quick fix. We're talking about to pray for you, to maybe move you along in the process of a breakthrough. Breakthrough. 
to move you and I along in the process of a healing or in the process of a deliverance because there is a process. And, and I want to look at um, 1 Samuel chapter 30. How many of you are there? Say amen. amen. This is uh, maybe the, for some of you a familiar familiar story. But before you go there, go to Romans chapter 15. This is one of my favorite verses of scripture because it helps us to tie in what we're about to read in the Old Testament because sometimes people get confused about the value and the purpose of the Old Testament. You know, oh, that's the Old Testament. That's written in a different time and a different place. But look at Romans chapter 15. I love this verse of scripture. Verse 4. For whatever things were written before, what was written before? That's what Paul was referring to, right? Whatsoever things were written before, Genesis to Malachi, whatsoever things were written before were written for what? For our learning, for our learning, for my learning, that we through the patience or the perseverance and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Hope is a powerful word. Hope is necessary. The Bible says in Proverbs, if hope is deferred, it can make the heart sick. And hope is a confident expectation that God will work out something good. Hope is a confident expectation that God is going to work out something good. So, so Paul is, is, is just impressing upon the believers the value the, the importance of the Old Testament, that God has given it to us, that we, through the scriptures, what scriptures? Old and new, but, but specifically the Old Testament, that these are the, the holy writings of God, that through them we could have comfort, we could have hope through the scriptures. Can you say amen? All right, now First Samuel chapter 30. It happened, verse 1, that when David and his men came to Ziglag, on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and attacked it and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great and they did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. I don't know, have you ever wept? But then you wept so much you had no more power to weep. It could have been a time of grieving. I remember back in 2002, my, my mom passed away and then a few months later, my father passed away. And then a few months later, my brother passed away. Within 18 months, I lost three of my immediate family. And I remember there was grieving each step of the way. But then it was almost like the, the culmination of the grieving when my brother died, where I remember times of weeping and wailing. And I couldn't weep anymore. Exhausted. And I'm sure many of you could identify, and many of you have been through seasons like that in your life, and, and that's where David was, and that's where his men was. Because of what happened, they wept until they were exhausted from weeping. Verse 5 says in David's two wives, Ahinahom, man, uh, I've read this many times, but it's just something about being up here and trying to read them. You think it's easy? 
the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Then David was greatly distressed. If you have your Bibles, underline that he was greatly distressed. Many times we look at Bible characters, and again, we look at them with halos on their head. We look at them, they lived in another time and another place, and it was just, you know, it was smooth sailings. Why? They, that was David. Why? That was Paul. That was Peter. And it was like, you know, we look at them through rose-colored glasses, and we fail to see really what the scriptures say. How many of you know David was at a low point? The Bible says he was greatly distressed. Not just distressed, greatly. For the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people were grieved every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, Abimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David so David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered them, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. You know, what, what impressed me as I was studying, and I, I've preached from this passage, and anytime I preach from a passage, I, I make sure I study it afresh and not just rely upon my old notes, although I might refer to them. But I say, God, what, what fresh understanding, what fresh revelation could come. But what I saw in this story that in, in the process or, or in the breakthrough, there was a process. In the miracle that David needed to experience, because if you look at, if you just look at this passage of scripture, we see, you know, uh, David and his men, um, his loyal soldiers, they're returning and they come home and, and there's no laughter of children. There's no dancing of children in the yard and in the field. There's no smell of a good home-cooked meal. Uh, no warm embrace of a wife. But rather they, they come and, and they, they see a city burned with fire, homes destroyed, wives and children taken captive. As they survey the landscape, as they, they process the loss... The entire place is burned to the ground. Worse than the physical loss was the personal cost. Wife and children are gone. Do you know that one of the devil's main targets throughout history, not just in our day, but throughout Bible history, one of the, David, one of the devil's main target has always been families. Look at Job. How did Job, how did the devil try to get through uh, to Job through his children. You look at the Israelites in Egypt. What was Pharaoh's plan? A personification of evil, if you will. A, a, a messenger of Satan. What was his plan? Was to exterminate all the male children that were born. And here we see in David's time, why do you think there is such an attack on husbands and wives and marriages and children? Because that's the devil's strategy. Because the family is the basic unit of a society. And it's the devil's strategy to attack that. And there's really no greater pain than those that are closest to you. So here in the scriptures, we see these men weep until there's no more power to weep. For David, it got worse. The very people who looked to David as a guide, a friend, a leader, now turn against him, embittered and angry, and they speak of stoning him. Just when you think it couldn't get worse. 
imagined. These were David's mighty men. If you remember, there were 600 of them. They were in the cave of Adullam with them, and, and they had a great resume. They were in debt, they were distressed, and they were discontented. And he banded them together, and, and, and mighty warriors were raised up. He taught them how to worship, how to praise God. But in this moment, the Bible says they spoke of stoning him. How, do you, how many of you know David is at the end of his rope? David is at the last rung on the ladder of despair. David is about to sink into the abyss of, of depression. David has had a choice. He could run away in fear and depression. He could give up or worse yet he could take his own life. But I want to show you something in what David did and, and, and I want to lead us into a time of prayer and I want to help you this morning. I don't know where you are at in this process but all of us are somewhere in the process. Amen? We are somewhere. You know, we are on a journey and, and, and God has charted out a plan and a purpose for our life. And, and in this process of getting um, to, to revival or getting to restoration or breakthrough, there is a process. Now, if you look at this process, we see that David did something in verse 6. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Or another translation says David encouraged himself in the Lord as God. I want to look at that and I want to just say that was step number one. Step number two is, then David called for the priest and said, bring me the ephod. The ephod was a part of the priestly, the high priestly garment that contained the Urim and the Thummim, which was the way the people in the Old Testament could discern God's will. So this was like getting the Bible out getting the word out, searching the scriptures for direction now. He first encourages himself in the Lord, and then he prays. He prays for God's direction. Now, I want to say something to you. There is a process to restoration. There is a process to revival. There is a process to recovering what the devil has stolen. He encourages himself first. Before he prays, he encourages himself how many of you know, sometimes if you don't encourage yourself, you could pray some stupid prayers? Hello? Not all prayers are smart. Not all prayers are clever. Not all prayers are good. You say, Pastor, are you kidding? I was following and I was tracking with you, but I'm checking out right now. Because I, I sense a false doctrine being preached. Hang on, hang on. I'm not done. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Then he sought God. Then he prayed. Why, you say, could, could some prayers be foolish prayers? Yes. One, one in particular. I can give you several. But how about Elijah? Elijah had won a great victory at Mount Carmel. God, God was with him. The, 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 the fire of God came down. There was the divinest... Uh, uh, testimony that God was with Elijah and God was declaring his plan and purpose and defeating all the prophets of Baal and there was a revival that was begun in the nation and then what happened uh, uh, Elijah uh, or Queen Jezebel who was a, a worshiper of, of the false prophets and who promoted Baal worship and also protected the false prophets when when she heard they were slain what did she do she put out a contract a bounty on the head of Elijah 
said, may God do to me, may the, may the gods do to me also if, if Elijah's head is not taken from his shoulders. So here's Elijah. He's running in discouragement. He's running in fear. And what does he do? He goes into the wilderness and he says, Lord, he prays. What does he pray? Lord, take my life. Have you ever been so low you say, okay, Lord. Like Moses. Moses said, God, if you love me, kill me. God, if you really love me, do me a favor. Take my life. And Elijah says, I'm no better than my father's. And you know what? This, I'm the only one left. He begins to say all these things. And you know what? Thank God God didn't answer his prayer. Why? Because God still had a mission, a commission for Elijah. He was, at anoint, he was to anoint Elisha. He was to anoint other kings. He was to be used of God strategically in the plans and the purpose, not only for Israel, but for other nations in that time. But if he, if, 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 if that foolish prayer was answered, that would have been all done away with. So David encouraged himself, and sometimes you and I need to just encourage ourselves in the Lord. What does it mean to encourage ourselves? Simply, we don't know um, specifically in, in, in this passage, but we know from David's life, I believe David, he recalled the love of God for him. We start right there. Jude in the New Testament says, keep yourself in the love of God. Behold, 1 John chapter 3, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of the living God. We have to keep ourselves in, and we encourage ourselves when we're broken, when we're weary, when we don't feel like we have the strength to go on. We need to recall God's love. We need to rehearse God's calling. For David, he thought it was the end, but I think somewhere there was a spark, somewhere there was something that flickered in his soul that he remembered that time when Samuel the prophet took a horn of oil and poured it on him and whispered in his ear and said, Thou shalt be king. It hadn't happened yet, but God had spoken it. And for David, he encouraged himself and said, hey, wait a minute. I might be at the lowest point. It might seem like there's no way out. But I remember that moment when the prophet Samuel poured oil on my head. He anointed me. He spoke words of life. He spoke a promise. He, I, I know that I was called by God. You and I this morning, we can say, I am anointed. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. That is the calling of God for the child of God this morning. He also remembered God's past deliverances. Hadn't God made a way for David before? Hasn't God made a way? Think of where God has brought some of you from. When you thought it was over, when the devil thought he had you, think of how God brought deliverance. If he had delivered you in the past, will he not deliver you right now? Come on, don't look so sanctimonious. Come on, remember the pit that the Lord dug you out of. Didn't, didn't Isaiah the prophet say that also? Look to the Lord, your maker. Remember the pit that you were dug out of. Turn to the person next to you. Say you're not as holy as you look. Come on, remember. He remembered God's past deliverances. And you see this morning, my, my hope, my expectation, 
I want you to see this process. I want you to see he encouraged himself in the Lord. For some of you this morning, you could come to this, this altar. You could come to a time of prayer, and you just need to encourage yourself in the Lord. Before you take one further step, there needs to be a fresh encouragement from the Lord. And I like what it says, encourage yourself. I love the worship team. I love the songs we sing. I love the atmosphere of church. But you know what? There are times when there's no worship team around. There's times when, when all looks dark, when you're all alone, and you have to do like David. You have to encourage yourself in the Lord. And then to inquire of the Lord. And then he had to pursue... And then he had to overtake, and then he recovered all. So, so what am I saying? That there is, seems to be a process. Encourage yourself, inquire, and then pursue. Sometimes you have to go after what God has for you. We used to sing that song, I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what the devil stole from me. I took it back, I went to the enemy's camp. Sometimes we have to do that. We would sing that song. I went to the enemy's camp. I took back what the devil stole from me. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. Satan is under my feet. I, had a, uh, I have a pastor friend, uh, another state, uh, and that song used to be sung a lot. Uh, his son was young, and, and he thought the words were, he said to his father, uh, Satan is, is very short. And he says, why do you say that? He says, because he's under five feet. He's under five feet. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. Just eating. <laughs> I got another story, but that didn't go over too good, so we'll just cut, cut your losses and move forward. You see, we, we have to pursue. There's a, there's a process. I want to encourage you. I don't know where you are, but God is moving you towards recovery. I say God is moving you toward recovery. God is a God of restoration. God says through Joel, I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. My great army that I sent among you. Think about that. The locusts that had eaten and destroyed the land of Israel were the very ones that were sent by God in, in judgment against his own people. And God said, you know what, I'll restore the years, the locust. Only God can bring. That should be encouragement for some of you. You think you have wasted days, wasted years, wasted seasons. God is a God of restoration. Thou shalt recover all. Come on, let your faith rise up. Let your faith rise up. I want to just share a, a brief story. Uh, I was sharing my message with somebody and, and they told me I have an amazing story of a friend of ours and I said please sketch it out for me I want to use it and this just happened in in March of 2021 this is an email and I'm not going to use the names of the of the cities and whatever just for privacy but this is the beginning of the correspondent please pray for us we have been exposed to fraud the perpetrators have emptied our savings account of our life savings. They called us, they said they were from our bank and that they must immediately look at our accounts because we were exposed to fraud. They knew everything about us. They arranged a meeting with us the next day at the bank that, and that we would get all new documentation. When we hung up the phone, we saw that our account was emptied and we had been cheated. 
the police called and said that the perpetrator had been arrested and was employed by our bank. They had been searching for him a long time. The husband in this correspondence uh, had fasted four and a half days and we were living right now between hope and despair. Money is gone and there is no guarantee that we will get them back. Only a miracle can God, uh, of God can give us the money back. And this was my friend's response. Many times we need to draw an example from the Holy Scriptures that we can relate to our present situation. As I am writing this email, I am reminded of David's great loss at Ziglag. When the enemy plundered and took all, in David's great distress and when his men threatened to take his life, he sought the Lord about the situation and God and the Lord told him to pursue that he would recover all. So we lay up in our hearts that word from the Lord, pursue and without fail you should recover all. This was the response from, from his friends that had been the victims. The third time we have received 1 Samuel chapter 30. First from uh, a friend in ministry, second from our pastor in church, and third from you. Now, two or three witnesses. Let it come to pass, dear Lord. Then the next correspondence. Hallelujah, Jesus lives. God hears prayer, all glory to Jesus. The police call and said the money have been tracked and we will be, and will be transferred to our bank in three days next week. Listen to this. They write that out of all the frauds in this particular country, only 0.6%, that's less than 1%, are solved, almost nothing. There is so much crime in this country. We are part of a qualified miracle. Only the Lord God can do something like this in the middle of this country of terror, of fire, of death. So we know he watches over us. I don't know why the Lord is so good to us. We just want to serve him for the rest of our lives. Amen. Amen. Can you come back to the keyboard? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Would you stand together with me this morning? Now, I didn't read the conclusion of the matter. Verse 18, verse 17. And David attacked them from twilight until evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped, except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. David recovered all. Amen. Amen. Come on, right now. Right now in this season of life, wherever you find yourself at, in this process of of restoration, this process of recovering all. You might be discouraged from what you're going through. This might be the first step. We want to help you. Come on, I want to help you. The leadership of this church wants to help you. Our, our heart, our desire is to, to move you along in this process, is to pray with you, to agree with you. Maybe, maybe you're at the first step. Maybe you, you're so distressed, you have wept till you could weep no longer. And maybe what you need is, is you've got to encourage yourself in the Lord. You've got to come at these altars. But we want to help you in that process. Maybe you're, you've encouraged yourself. Maybe you just say, God, what is your will? What is your direction? How do I proceed? That, that step you're at.
Maybe you need to hear the word of the Lord that says pursue. You need wisdom. How do you do that? Overtake. Maybe you're at the last part and God is about to bring recovery. I don't know where you are, but quickly, would you move out of your seat? Come on, we want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. We want to believe today. We want to believe today that God is going to help you in this process. Come on, can you say amen? Come on, if you could just move forward. I'm going to ask for the, for the elders, the staff, if you would just come and just begin to pray. Come on, wherever you're at in this process, wherever you're at in this season, God is going to bring you through in Jesus' name. Come on, you shall hear the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is pursue overtake and recover all. Come on, that is God's doing. I can't do it, you can't do it, but God can do it. Come on, let's just begin to pray right now. A new season, come on, a new day. Come on, a new time in the name of Jesus, amen.